You're listening to A Quality Podcast with your hosts, John Thacker Jr. and Jake Harrell. You have people like Seth Godin, more on him later, who intentionally contrast leadership and management to try and sell this hogwash that uh, management is out and leadership is in, an entirely artificial construct. And more importantly, they are selling ideas that are completely contradicted by the science of psychology and social psychology. Welcome, everybody, to a quality podcast. I'm your host, John Thacker, Jr. Hey, and I'm part-time participant, Jake here. Welcome, everybody, to this holiday special of a quality podcast, Leadership Lies. For the audio only, guys, John has a hat that looks like it could be Christmas-themed, but it's a velvet blue. So if you know what holiday that is, drop it's that. It's literally a Santa hat. It's blue, It's a Santa though. hat. Santa's not blue. It's, it's a blue Santa hat. You know what? When I look at my finances at the end of the year, one thing I check for, are they trending to be in the blue? Look, nobody else wears these kinds of hats. Like, it could be any color. Nobody's going to mistake it for anything other than a Santa hat. No, there's no blue Santas. They don't exist. I'm sorry. It's a Smurf hat. That's what it is. No, the Smurfs had white hats. It was their shirts that were blue. What do they wear on Christmas? Blue, obviously. They're Smurfs. <laughs> so there you go. It's a blue Christmas hat. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of A Quality Podcast. Happy holidays to all of our friends out there. We're talking about leadership lies today. And we do this from time to time on the podcast where we deconstruct some common popular uh, BS. And it's mostly for victim, John Fields. It's mostly for Sean Fields, but three other people enjoy it, too. So here we it's go. <laughs> Sean, you should really like this one. Um, so the victim this week is leadership. And so, you know, a little bit of sort of history and, like, what's going on here. You know, over the last 10, 15 years, this uh, class of leadership gurus has emerged that feel the need to sort of educate the entire world on what leadership is and how to be a better leader and how it's going to make you awesome and popular and successful. Uh, before that, it was management, right? You had Peter Drucker and all these management gurus. All of a sudden, you have people like Seth Godin, more on him later, who intentionally contrast leadership and management to try and sell this hogwash that uh, management is out and leadership is in, an entirely artificial construct, and more importantly, they are selling ideas that are completely contradicted by the science of psychology and social psychology. Um, you do have books that call them out on this, but they just they tend to be academic. And uh, you know, business leaders will read whatever is in the front of Barnes and Noble's like you know new book section for business um, instead of like the carefully crafted reply of a scholar who actually studies this stuff. Um, and as a result, there's a lot of bullshit out there. 
and yeah, Colorado. it's emotionally charged like politics right as you get i'm for left or i'm for right i'm like your construct is wrong right yeah 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 there's a lot of that like uh confirmation bias going on right um and we can talk about uh several examples of that um so but historically that's kind of what's going on right that's the history and for those of you not watching i'm wearing my official john thacker jr version personal sunglasses which i'm going to take off because i'm in my basement and it doesn't make sense to wear sunglasses no matter how cool they make me look um and since they're polarized i can't read my notes so um looking at kind of the history of it um that's what's going on and there's a reason for that and the reason is the uh, knowledge that can sort of hold these folks accountable uh, is still stuck in the academic realm. And by the way, if you want to be a successful leader or manager or anyone who deals with people, uh, reading about psychology is a great thing. You know, education is good. Knowledge can help you if you can put it into practice. Uh, but it's still largely inaccessible. Um, I'm reading a book about uh, paradoxical thinking. Uh, it's called Both And. And it's a well-researched book, but it's like 300 pages too long. Uh, they really should have written this as, you know, a 120-page thing because the people that are interested in reading the book uh, manage business and don't have time for, you know, a couple dozen pages of end notes for each chapter. Great. I'm glad you did your research, right? Um, it's just way I mean, too long. I mean, I think that about... I think it'll just about every 300 page book. I, I think if, if it takes you more than 10,000 words, you really struggle to grasp the concept, right? Well, I, I'm, I know that there are dynamics that go into publishing, um, you know, where certain topics and, and books like the, the publisher has these ideas, like this is how big it has to be, how thick it has to be form factor, you know, stuff like that to sell books. Um, but maybe if you're going to write like a big, long scholarly book, also have a companion for everybody else that just wants to get the gist of what you're saying. Um, you know, I can always chase through footnotes later if I want to check your work or something like that. But, you know, you're, you're not being read by other scholars. I'm, I'm not going to do the homework. I'm going to read what you have to say with a certain level of trust and, you know, kind of kind of go from there. So. That's just a, the state of the business right now. In terms I did of receive books. a funny LinkedIn message that somebody said, oh, I'll buy and review your book if you buy and review mine. I'm like, you are missing the fucking point. I want to come down from the world for people who are interested to assess on their own and see if it's something that they enjoy. Sharing thoughts from my personal life, I think, would help. And you should attempt to do the same. If this is some other game you're playing. <laughs> yeah, quid pro quo. It it works. It works all over the world. It's a great means to acquire power, but you don't have to play that game. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's some of what's going on. Now on the management side, how come all of these gurus are no longer management gurus? Like you, that used to be a ripe field. You know, I can think of Jim Collins, you know, Peter Drucker, like all of these guys. And now all of a sudden that space is eh, largely empty. You know, everyone's hopped on the leadership bandwagon. And I, my theory is simply the fact that management has much more of a scientific uh, component that's accessible to people. And there's a hundred years of everything from case study to mathematics behind it. And you can call people out really fast, right? You can't make up math 
about flow modeling and stuff like that. Um, you know, without getting called out on your bullshit. Yeah, or being in construction. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we will have to have a separate episode on construction, especially lean construction. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of it is it's a lot harder to hold people accountable for bullshit when they're talking about leadership because they're packaging words that make people feel good and reinforce biases right, uh, to sell stuff. And the folks that are consuming don't have a broad knowledge base of the science, the social science behind leadership. And so they uh, consume basically reinforcing their biases, right? Confirmation bias is what's going on. Whereas if you try to sell them a line in management, they probably went to school at some point, you know, took some classes and uh, might know better, right? So it's a lot oh, harder to sell part. things about you know, yeah. we just happen to be a species that is emotional. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. We just happen yeah. to be there. So it's really easy to throw any emotionally charged anything into the world and try to make it stick than it is to try and sell some logical syllogism. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's a challenge for, like, consultants, right? As we try to help companies get better, there, there's the the old thing of like, how do I tell you your baby is ugly? Well, the answer is your baby's ugly, right? But the reason it's a question is if you approach it that way, you're kind of dead in the water. You know, uh -huh. people don't respond well to that, no matter how facts-based uh, your assessment is, right? Uh, and that's where the people skills and stuff uh, come in. So, you know, while we were talking about um, Seth Godin, he had a video online that I was watching that, you know, I, I almost vomited it was so full of garbage. I don't know how this guy sells anything, but this particular video, I mean, somebody should have called him out, you know, fast. Um, not just because he decided to redefine lean according to his own terms, you know, to help himself out. Um, he was setting up a uh, dichotomy between leadership and management, right? And we'll, we'll go right from here. I'll talk about the definition of management, you know, from the literature, kind of settle that. But it's a false binary and a false dichotomy. And, you know, talking through like his binary that he just invented whole cloth about leadership and management and why leadership is superior to management and all of this stuff. Um, he says that uh, management is telling people what to do and therefore management can't handle change. And it's about consistency and repeatability. The fact that he would even put all of those things like against each other uh, is absurd. This sounds like somebody who's never actually worked in or managed a business. Yeah, and so you're gonna be an optimum leader, right? You're gonna be level 99, the year's 3000, no holds bar, technology, anything else. You're gonna be the best leader you could possibly be. What outcome are you seeking that's not repeatability? <laughs> right, exactly. You were, Of course you're seeking consistency and repeatability. And as far as the telling people what to do thing, I think that it's high time uh, that we came to terms with the fact that that is an integral part of leadership. Like you do have to tell people what to do. It, and from a social science standpoint, it is a non-negotiable. You have a transactional relationship with your employees. You absolutely have to make some things clear. Not everything. That's where micromanaging comes in, right? I hear all the, the good trait side when you see these leader versus management posts on LinkedIn. The good trait side always has in the leader. 
like cast a shared vision. Is that not telling people what to do? Well, I think a lot of the, you know, the language like that is just completely unhelpful. Like, what does that mean? Casts a shared vision. In one year, we are going to be the number one software producer in North America. Rah, go team. Okay, what does that mean? What's your product? What's your customer? What's your oh demographic? How are you going to market it? What's the budget? What does the team look like? Who reports to who? The list goes on and on and on. Who's managing the project? Are we Scrum or Agile? Let's not start that debate. Right? <laughs> we're, we're scrantle around here. <laughs> I have to dive into a personal story with, as for our audio only listeners, John's wearing his classic lugging off logistics. <laughs> <laughs> there. And my personal time has been at Bugging Off Logistics, real place. Uh, names have been changed to protect people on LinkedIn who follow me. Uh, I literally got told in a meeting to tell people in a startup, this is a daily huddle startup before you take off, tell employees not to have any damages. Right, right. Now, guys, make sure you're not damaging people. Really? Oh, thank God he told me that. Well, there goes my first three hours before lunch. Yeah. That's all right. I work for a startup that, uh, you know, was, they were kind of a tech company on the East coast and they, they, uh, sold recycled hardware and they decided to bring their operations in house, which, you know, now as a consultant, the first thing I would tell them was no, you know, like you, you don't have the operational knowledge to do that. I don't care what the fake money in Excel looks like. Right. Um, so I was tasked with, uh, helping them out and, um, they were trying to run this plant. Like they'd have this daily call. They tried, they were trying to use Scrum and because that's what they were used to for software development. And they were all software developers. You know, they didn't know dick about running a physical operation, like a warehouse with receiving and shipping and everything. And, you know, like you can make it work, you can make any system work, but you know, it was, it was ill-advised, but it was a great lesson and people just do what they know. They didn't know any other way to manage anything. And how does that tie in? Well, how it ties in is one of the, uh, I guess, ways that they utilized the Scrum methodology is they would have like a target outcome for a team. Like, okay, uh, here's what you're going to accomplish. You know, okay, into the sprint, go guys, go. I'm like, well, it, it doesn't work like that in operations because you have this reciprocal sharing of resources in real time that's highly variant, you know. Um, for one thing, you have the, the labor resources, but then as you're planning your labor utilization, who's recruiting and hiring people? Well, it's not the people running the warehouse. Right? In this case, it was somebody in a different state. Right? So you have to have that uh, flow of feedback back and forth. Well, I can be a project manager that's sort of uh, you know, using your scrum methodology, or I can run a, a plant. I can't do both. Right. They, they mm -hmm. both require time and folks that run like a logistics center understand, um, you know, the attention that it takes to run a place like that until you build the systems and processes in place to automate a lot of what we're talking about. Right. Um, so in this bullshit by Seth Godin, yes, I'm calling him out, blah, blah creating this just false dichotomy between, you know, leadership and management. He used a lot of that like shared vision thing. And it's like what he's communicating and others are communicating is tell people where 
you know, you want to go, not what to do, and then let them figure it out. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just bullshit. Like most of the time, that is complete bullshit. If you are producing anything, you'd better have standard work, period. Like you can't do it without that. And that is the definition of telling people what to do. Can you imagine having a whole warehouse with no forklifts in it? Like, we're telling the employees we want these trucks loaded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, how to do it's, it. it's just silly, you know. And then once you get into knowledge work, there's a little more latitude, but a lot less than you might think. You know, like you're not telling a coder write this line of code, right? But you are defining functionality and stuff like that, right? As well as, you know, like you have to have a timeline and so on and so forth. Um, and then where do you draw the line when you talk about telling employees what to do? I mean, have you ever worked for a company where you didn't have to fill out a W-2 form, you know, for your taxes? This is for the United States uh, audience. For everyone else, I'm sure there are some government forms you have to fill out when you get Oh, oh for, the Brit- for the British listeners, we're talking about a 1022 Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, that's something you have to do, right? And so, like, the hiring, like, day one of hiring in a lot of companies is very well-defined. Like, you're telling the person what to do from start to finish, you know? Um, so the the whole thing, it's just make-believe. It lacks any kind of nuance. It's just silly. This is not something that intelligent, grown-up people think. Like, we don't think this way. Um, maybe we do, because apparently he sells shit. Um, and then he had the audacity to say that the tools of management were fear, shame, and anger. Dude, you just made that up. You literally just made that up. Like, those have nothing to do with management. They're not tools of management. Those are behaviors that some bad managers have exhibited over time, right? But management literally started with scientific management, which was where a couple of guys stepped in and said, Hey, using emotions to manipulate people is not the most efficient way to get work done. I mean, literally management started from getting rid of stuff like this. And by the way, uh, you know, fear, shame and anger is one side of a toxic coin. The other side is like motivations, rewards, all of that. Yes, I said that's toxic. If you're trying to get your work done by emotionally manipulating people, then you can never grow past a certain I mean, thing. And it's not leadership. It's not leadership. Just social manipulation at its finest. I mean, you could say that. I remember I had a really good leadership class um, as part of my MBA, and and the professor asked everybody like, "What what is leadership?" You know, and gave everybody the chance to get their shit out. You know, empty cup. I thought it was really smart looking back on it afterwards. And, and so we're all professionals, right? And you have these doctors and engineers and stuff all standing up and giving these long-winded, complicated answers about, here's what I think leadership means to me. And once everyone had, had exhausted everything, like 35 minutes later, he clicks to the next slide and it just says, getting people to do what you want. Right? And uh, that was the first point he made. It was like, don't overthink it. Don't like... Uh, romanticize it right we're talking about getting people to do what you want it's amoral in that sense um but all the feel goody stuff that you put around it like that's your emotional baggage that you're bringing with you right nothing wrong with it but just be aware that it's there right so 
let's take it like to the next step about like well, what is leadership and management like we have to define our terms a little bit you know before we bag all over it uh, so i completely reject this idea that management is mechanistic that it has to do with doing the same thing over and over again that it has to do with telling people what to do and that leadership is some new enlightened philosophy of giving people inspiration and a goal and vision and letting them go out and get it for themselves. You can get entire degrees in business management. Oh, I have one. Surprise. I'm a slight expert in it. Um, leadership is a subset of management. It's part of management, right? So just like you have an automobile and it has like an engine, engine's very important, right? Can't, car can't go without it. Imagine some guy that came along and said, your car is shit. It's killing the planet. What you really need is an engine. Let me show you this bright, shiny new engine. This is an awesome engine. To anybody with an education about cars, you're like, dude, what are you talking about? Can I upgrade my engine? Sure, that's awesome. But I need the whole fucking car. You can't get rid of the car and do anything with that damn engine. And it's a pretty good metaphor because the rest of management is the structure or the framework through which leadership actually sticks and gets traction and gets things done, right? Like we can have a whole conference call or, or whatever, you know, all hands meeting. Here's what we're gonna do in the next 12 months. We're awesome, rah, rah, go. Okay, but even if you have people that can turn that, you know, kind of uh, generic vision into concrete steps, even if you have people like that on your team, how are they going to do it? I mean, think about the basic infrastructure. Like I have to be able to communicate with other team members. Does the business management system facilitate that? Is it just random? Like I'm calling and texting people and they might answer the phone. Do we have standardized meetings that meet at least once a day or once a week or whatever with regular pitch, right? Those are the tools of management and they were actually can turn vision into reality, right? I mean, just to break down what you said in one sentence, leadership is getting people to do what you want, whereas management is the structure of how we get people to do what we want. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's that's pretty good. Like, you know, leadership is the skill of communicating uh, what we want to get, and management is the skill or the tool set that allows us to put action to ideas, right? Uh, you you absolutely have to have it. Um, I'll just go through a couple of definitions from um, vetted textbooks that are used like, you know, in school um, about management. This is from Van Fleet and Peterson. A set of activities directed at the efficient and effective utilization of resources in pursuit of one or more goals. Okay, cool. And then people would contrast this with leadership and say, well, leadership is about uh, people, right? and how you motivate them to get what you want. Well, uh, obviously that's a subset of this definition. Um, here's another one from Harold Koontz. Management is an art of getting things done through and with the people in formally organized groups. It is an art of creating an environment in which people can perform and individuals can cooperate towards attainment of group goals. Well, I mean, try to find any separation between that and leadership the definition of leadership you have. It's pretty hard, right? 
Um, Kreitner, management is a problem-solving process of effectively achieving organizational objectives through the efficient use of scarce resources and a changing environment, which includes your human resources, right? Um, I could go on, um, Mosley, Pietri, and Megan'son working with human, financial, and physical resources to achieve organizational objectives by performing the planning, organization, leading, and controlling function. And there's a good one, right? So leadership is a subset of management. Now, anybody that tries to pretend that you can like pit them against each other, um, they're just full of crap. Like they're off on an island doing their own thing, making up shit. There's so a lot they of things likely never done either. <laughs> and have likely n never done either. Yeah, pet peeve of mine. Um, really, I have two pet peeves, right? The first pet peeve is these uh, self-proclaimed gurus and experts who've never actually done it. You know, like when you've managed a P&L that's, you know, responsible for generating six million dollars a day in revenue then come talk to me because i have right uh until then we'll have a nice conversation but please dear god don't pretend you're a guru right um and then the other one is folks that have actually done some amazing things you know but they're imbecilic assholes now, well i was the chief financial officer for this company so i know a lot of stuff no you don't you're an idiot and nobody likes you, so shut up and get off the internet. Not that I'm talking to anybody in particular. <clears throat> um, so that's a, that's kind of the background of the conversation. I know we're almost like halfway into the <laughs> podcast, and and that's all the preamble, right? Um, we need a good fifteen more minutes, and then we only get one out. Number one, and then right off the show. To be continued next Christmas. <laughs> with my green Santa hat. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at, right? Is first of all, anybody that trashes management, like they're lying to you, the end, you know? Uh, there's not like a way to sugarcoat it. There's there's no nuance there. It's just bullshit. They, they made it up. They're creating something artificial so they can sell you shit, right? Um, and then as far as leadership goes, I didn't sort of define, uh, leadership, but pretty much everybody that I talk to has a colloquial definition that's the same. I don't know if that is your experience as well, Jake, mm -hmm. um, but that sort of colloquial definition is uh, relating to and talking to people to get you to, to, to get them to do what you want, right? And hopefully be happy about it, right? Is that pretty fair in your mm -hmm. experience as well? Yeah. Um, so some of the definitions that I read about leadership you know were more flowery but that's pretty much what they all uh agreed on it's like yeah le leadership is like interacting with people in such a way that they get done the things you want them to get done and feel reasonably good about it right? so let's talk about some uh just common myths uh misconceptions you know bullshit um around leadership. So I'll start out. We haven't compared notes yet. So if you have a top 10 and then like all five of ours are the same, that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read this. Phrases like be true to yourself and find your own true north seem excessively self-referential and are not what leaders must do to succeed. Okay. That's interesting. What are we, what are we talking about here? Right. Um, what we're talking about is authenticity, the curse of authenticity. This is a direct quote, and I'll give you the author in the book later. 
One reason people get in their own way is they reject implementing empirically demonstrated findings on the determinants of power is their embrace of the idea of authenticity and other scientifically sketchy but, unlift, but uplifting leadership ideas. So this is from Jeffrey Pfeffer. Uh, he is a behavioral psychologist at Stanford University, uh, very good at what he does, and he teaches a course on power and organizational structure uh, for their MBA class there and is, you know, many times published author. Um, this is what he does for a living. He literally studies actual clinical psychology and he's pointing out uh, an aspect of modern leadership bullshit that does not work and has been proven not to work in clinical trial over and over and over in every experiment we do. And that's this idea that you have to be your authentic self. And, you know, he points out some really simple things like your authentic self authentically sucks. End of story. Like, it's true of everybody. Like, nobody cares that your cat has goiter. You know, you don't need to be talking about that at work. It doesn't make you more vulnerable, right? Um, so he quotes Adam Grant in this book, and Adam Grant wrote about, you know, this experiment of ultra-authenticity. So he tells his, like, his therapist that, uh, you know, if he wasn't married, he'd sleep with her. And, you know, every every hot woman he meets, he's like, I want to fuck you. I can't. I'm not going to but I want to, um, and, you know, and so on and so forth. And of course it's hilarious, you know, reading the account, but it, uh, brings to highlight a, a really important fact about reality, especially when you're leading people, which is lying or at least not disclosing everything is a healthy, normal part of society. You don't keep spilling your heart out to everybody because you will screw things up. Yes, that's why you have a filter between your brain and your mouth. Some people need to develop it a little bit more. But it's there for a reason. So the authenticity thing, here's a crazy idea. Maybe leadership should be less about you and all of your fuck-ups and more about the team you're leading. Maybe they have needs and wants and desires that need to be fulfilled for you, you guys to be successful as a group. And maybe you should focus on that. Right? Can you imagine, like, you have a company, and it's struggling, and the board of directors gets rid of the current leadership and brings you in, and you get up in front of the team, and you're like, oh, guys, thanks for being here for me. You know, this is the biggest team I've ever led, and I'm, I'm a little scared and nervous. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to win here. Can I count on your support? What did that person just do? Hit on the right? confidence of everybody in that room. <laughs> yeah, they did. They just blew. I don't even know if they can unring that bell at that point. Because what that team is looking for is for someone to come in and say, hey, you guys are in pain, you're hurting, there were layoffs, and you're very uncertain. You don't know if the business can, can make it. We're going to fucking make it. Come on, let's pull together on this rope. you know, And then figure out what the rope is later. But the point is, lack of authenticity in this case is exactly what the team needs, and it's about them, not about you. This is a video-only ad for those of us joining by YouTube. If you are an audio content consumer, head over to our YouTube channel to get the full impact of our humor.
Got your drink. The Frenchman's old fashioned. Lechois. Lechois. I've got uh, Evan Williams bottled and bond, 100 proof. Ooh. So let's just take a moment to recognize today's sponsor, the Medieval Times School of Management. Medieval Times. If you don't like somebody, get on a horse and hit them with a stick. <laughs> yeah, so uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are freshly liquored up and ready to keep rolling. I mean, we are enjoying some beverages of uh, the adult variety. Um, so authenticity, yeah. It, so to, to kind of paraphrase uh, Pfeffer, the, the challenge is we hear this feel-good bullshit on social media primarily that is confirmation bias of how we wish the world worked. It has nothing to do with the actual psychological research of how to be successful and how to get things done. Right. There's often a huge gap uh, between the two. And the first one that we're picking on is this idea of authenticity. Um, so I'm sorry, like, if you're really sold on this thing, um, the psychological research does not support your conclusions. Um, in fact, the, the research indicates that uh, expressing vulnerability as a leader can increase feelings of liking with the people that you are vulnerable to. It also significantly reduces your ability to get things done, uh, cooperation, all of the social lubrication that you need to be an effective leader. And that's just science. Like you you don't have the uh, authority to overrule how the universe actually works right now, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think I like to think of it that authenticity is a is a shitty Snapchat filter. You you might look yeah, better yeah. to yourself in a in a selfie, but overall, like you're the same boot bag you always were. Yeah, I mean, uh, where do you where do you draw the line, right? So we have uh, funny stories, right, about people at the Christmas party oversharing, you know, stuff like that. Um, these are these are memes, like you know, this is a a whole subreddit. This is a BuzzFeed page, you know. Uh, we all know that there's boundaries. Right. Um, so where do you draw the line? Right. When you're talking about being authentic, right? What if you were less concerned about your own damn self and more concerned about the team? There's a freaking awesome surprise for you. That's an option. Um, and a good portion of leadership is having the emotional intelligence to understand where individuals and your team is at and Look, if you want an ally, right, here's where uh, I lose all my raving fans, right? If you want an ally, you can't get things done without allies. End of story. And if you want an ally, they have to get something out of it, too. Otherwise, you're just a take, take, take bully, right? Otherwise, they're a slave. <laughs> yes, exactly. By almost by right? definition, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We all get paid to be here today and to clock in or, or what have you. So they're not going to go out of their way to help you be successful in pursuit of your own goals because they get a paycheck, right? There has to be something more. And typically that more that you're giving them as a leader has to do with how they feel at work. It may have to do with actual physical, tangible stuff. Like I want that corner office with a view, right? Uh, but for most people, 
it has to do with the way that they are perceived at work, how they feel at work, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and it is absolutely a quid pro quo and pretending that it's not is just absolutely silly. Like you're, you're not a serious person. Um, so authenticity, uh, sorry guys, that's a lie. Like, and, and here's the, here's the flip side that, uh, is also not popular. All of the studies they've done on lying is like when people lie and get caught in a lie, uh, there's not really a lot of repercussions. And the probability of being caught in a lie is just barely north of 50-50, which is random chance, right? So uh, on top of the uh, fact that being authentic reduces your effectiveness as a leader, it's actually more effective to make up something with almost no downside. And we see this over and over and we complain and you know we rage about it. I can't believe that politician. They just lied through their teeth and they just got caught. And they said, I'm sorry. And it's like, they're still in office. Yeah, that's how the world works. You know, <laughs> like, we might not like it, but that's how it is, right? So coming to terms with the facts of how humans behave, you know, socially is a critical part of being an effective leader. Um, so this idea that uh, somehow you can be a better leader through authenticity. No, there's selective authenticity. There are times when you make yourself uh, appear vulnerable in a very selective way so that people know you're human and all of that. But you have to be thinking about the team and their needs, not you, right? And look, let's be honest, most of the leadership crap out there is painfully narcissistic, right? I like uh, I like Bo Burnham's take on it. He wrote a humorous song that I'm not going to share her because they're not paying. But in one in one line of the song, it's like, a, "Well, I've changed and I've self reflected. How, how can I contribute to these problems?" And a sock puppet of his comes up and says, "How do you rich fucking white people see every socio political issue through the myopic lens of your own self actualization? This isn't about you." <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, it's true. Like, if you just dig down one layer, it's like, why are you buying? The, like, why did you attend this conference on leadership? Why did you buy this book? Why did you spend money on this product? And the answer is probably self-interest. Like, you probably want the best career you can have. You probably want to make more money and have more influence and more power, right? It's inherently egoistic and self-centered. Right. So just own it. That's okay. I'm not judging you for it. Let's stop making believe that you're making the world a better place. Well, I just want to contribute to ending all of society's ills. And okay, yeah, sure. Right. Uh, but the psychological science says you're lying. Right. Yes, and, and you're lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just own it. That's okay. You know, um, yeah. And, and along with the authenticity comes the vulnerability piece. Right, because they're they're often kind of like tied together at the hip. Like, no, I'm sorry, we have the science, and you're wrong. Being vulnerable does not make you more effective. It may, in the short term, in some context. This is how you know statistical distributions work, uh, and that's called that, confirmation bias. Right now, if this, if this podcast gets more views, I went for a run today, which I'm in no shape for. And my nipples hurt. Is that going to increase the amount of views that this episode gets? I don't think so. I think my viewership just, just completely. 
let me tell you, wet cotton on the nipples is a bad experience. That is something that we want to avoid at all costs. Um, you can try uh, chapstick, believe it or not, works pretty well, lubricates everything up, works in other places too. Or you can try like a not cotton cloth. Um, anyway, yeah. Or you can try I, not I mean, sharing that with the general public. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it's a it's a great example. Like we all know there's boundaries and and the truth is the people that kind of use authenticity um, in an effective way, it's extremely political. Like it's very carefully curated authenticity, right? Um, and, and so, you know, again, we're not talking about what you want to be true. We're talking about how the world actually works and the fact that social psychologists have been studying this for decades and you can read about it right please don't take my word for it go google it right and what you will find is that particular piece of advice is bullshit which is what we're talking about today the the biggest uh i guess class of bullshit is just this idea that you know we can compare like being a boss to being a leader being a manager to being a leader Leadership and management are at odds with each other. That's complete bullshit. Like nobody with an education thinks that and you sound stupid when you say it, right? Um, some of the just crap that's out there, stuff that makes you feel better about yourself as you seek your own individual ends and outcomes and power, um, but they don't actually work. And authenticity and vulnerability, right, falls firmly into that uh, category. Uh, Jake, what else? What have you done? Big. Big number two, I have to call out on leadership lies, uh, still around the social media world, is if your whole sentence does not deliver an incoherent point, it might not be a thing. And I'll give you, I'll share you one example. Replace leadership in any sentence, anywhere, with the word crypto. <laughs> I love this one. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. mean, if you do like... that, if you do that and the sentence still makes sense, guess what? <laughs> that sentence doesn't mean very much. Yes. Yes. Uh, by the way, for all of our listeners out here, this was the alternative title for this episode: "Is Leadership Is the New Crypto?" You know, it's like, yeah, like you read this sales pitch for crypto, you know, and it's it's basically word salad. You know, well, if you can take your uh, leadership advice and replace the word leadership with crypto, uh, you're full of shit. You know, you're not you're not actually communicating anything meaningful. Um, yeah, so I guess for those of us that have kind of a um, a sober view of learning and execution, you know, like for for me personally, I want to know data and information that I can apply and leverage to make myself more effective, right? And so I've been to school and I read and stuff like that. Um, you know, self-education is important, but mostly I practice, right? Because you can't learn to play baseball by reading a book about baseball. Um, in the same way, you can't learn lean by reading a book about lean. And you can't learn business management by reading a book about business. You have to do it, right? Over and over and over. And most of my learning comes from that and from a, a very uh, intentional PDCA process with myself of assessing what happened and then adjusting how I behave and the choices that I make and stuff like that, right, to improve. Um, for people that approach kind of their calling this way, there's the plan, do, study, adjust, 
you know, cycle. And the inputs, right, include the previous experiment, right, the previous cycle, that's the study part. But it also includes external information. And we're very selective about that information, right? So I tend to read actual journal articles, you know, uh, that have case studies and stuff backing them up. Um, yeah, I only trust Breitbart. That's my go-to source of information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I don't do is get leadership advice from TikTok or LinkedIn, for that matter. Sorry, all you guys out there. Most of you. Or suck. YouTube, or um, any distribution of podcasts. Stop! Don't even listen to what we're telling you. Okay. Right. Do not listen to us. Do your own damn research. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, uh, our lawyers told us to tell you that we are not responsible for any outcomes that might happen if you do what we say or listen to us. So we are for educational and artistic purposes only, um, and we bear no responsibility whatsoever if your life sucks. Um, but yeah, like, so <laughs> the, 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 the problem with social media in general is anybody can talk and anybody can listen. And so we just, and, and the algorithms that are built into these platforms feed you more of what you look at, right? Because they're, they want clicks. Uh, and so it's this echo chamber of basically cognitive bias where you're just getting fed more and more and more. So, you know, you talk to somebody who is like far right wing or far left wing and spends all their time online. And to them, the world is different than reality. Like literally what they think is happening in the world doesn't match actual reality because there is a filter between them and news and them and reality called software that selectively shows them more of what they click on, more of what they want, right? Um, and so anybody can say anything and anybody can pretend they're an expert. And that's probably why you have some of these people, you know, anybody that stands up there with their curious smile and their, their John Lennon glasses and pretends to tell you they're a leadership expert, just ask them, what's the biggest organization you've led? Okay, if you haven't done it, remember what I said about baseball? Shut You're up. A great theoretician. Yeah, exactly. You don't know Dick. Uh, I like to think sorry. I like to think, John, that uh the reality's a lot like a Venn diagram. You got in the middle and then you get however you draw other people's circles, but right. some people out there are in the fucking Olympics. Their circle is over here. Like it's it's not even on the screen. <laughs> like, that's contrasted with the fact that there are people who um, basically study what has happened, but also create experiments. So you'll you'll see like the fall of a company like Kodak and you'll form a hypothesis and then you try to test it, right? And it's very labor intensive. Um, there's a great book out there, The Progress Principle, HBR Press. Um, everyone should read it if you're in a management or leadership uh, position. And what's funny about the book is the book started as like a an experiment for social psychology for a completely unrelated topic. And as they did their research, what came out of it was actually this book, which has nothing to do with what they were originally trying to study. Because guess what? The facts didn't match their hypothesis. Right? That's how science works. You know, so they had a little adjustment in their thinking based on reality, based on facts. And so, you know, look for those actual uh, academic and intelligent inputs that can help your PD essay cycle, right? As you just as switched leader. from C to S. No, I've always been an S. Oh, you son of a bitch. It's PDCA for life. No, it's PDSA. I'm pretty sure it's PDCA. And you said it earlier in your own personal PDCA cycle. No, it's PDSA. 
I mean, Bill Deming's daughter clearly said that it was an S. And if you don't respect the genetic progeny of Deming, then you clearly don't know what you're talking about. Wow, I can gosh. go all If day, anyone's man. an alien on this planet, it's that lineage. I'll tell you what, uh, this idea that, uh, like this guru idea, like it has to die. I don't know what, like what happened collectively? Did we just lose half our brain cells? Did the end of the world happen and we didn't realize it or something? Like you realize that just because I'm good at sports doesn't mean I'm good at politics and vice versa. You realize that Deming, for example, had some good ideas and some really shitty ideas. That's what it means to be it a just completely won't, will never happen, cannot, and are quite frankly meaningless to discuss. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on there. You know, I have a lot of great ideas. In fact, I'm pretty awesome, and I think everybody should listen to my stuff and, you know, generally pay me to think for them. Um, but I also suck a lot at a lot of stuff, and I'm wrong a lot. I imagine uh, in some of the, where this guruism came from, there's a couple of guys like us 10,000 years ago having a beer by their whatever little tents and fireplace. And like, you know what? You know those old guys that aren't doing anything? What if we just started pretending like those dudes were magic? <laughs> <laughs> How funny would that be? We'd only we have to charge do it for people a while. $5 a head. The kids will believe it. And when we get old, guess what? <laughs> we, we... <laughs> We can we can charge people five fish scales for entrance to listen to, to these guys talk. Yeah, and they're like uh, they're senile and they're just like babbling, you know. And we're like, see, they're they're magic. They're connected to the energy. I don't understand a word that they're saying. It doesn't make sense. Well, that's because you don't get it yet. You just have to keep listening. Come back tomorrow. Your transformation failed. Try harder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just haven't reached enlightenment yet. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that old, you know, snake oil salesman stuff going on. Um, now, thankfully, there's people like Jake and I out there in the world that are willing to help you confront the demons of snake oil salesmen and think through the fact that you're getting fucking hoodwinked. Um, so we're here to protect you. you know, just so everyone out there is aware, Jake and I are not self-motivated at all. Um, we, we definitely exist solely to help you out. Um, so, you know, make sure that you, you keep that in mind. Uh, we are not profit motivated. Although if you go to zoomopex.com, you can pick up some really helpful resources that we put together. Um, we charge a small fee, you know, to, to cover our expenses, but uh, I don't think, I think it's well worth it. Tenfold. Tenfold, for sure. I've definitely had, uh, I've definitely had people reach out to me with a paragraph full of what they already want. And so like my immediate response is, well, if you already know what you want, why don't you just do it? What, what did you yeah, need? No, no, it's a, yeah. It's it, well, I mean, I, I think it's a good good combo, right? Which is um, clarity is half the battle. Um, sorry, just to put a, a bow tie on that last thought, you know, being a little more serious. Uh, one of the, um, I don't know, motivations that we have for a quality podcast, and even ZoomX, OpEx, um, you know, is helping companies and individuals succeed beyond their wildest imagination uh, by basically making things clear that, uh, you know, might not otherwise be right and helping people out. So yes, of course, we're motivated by success and profit. We're not going to pretend that we're not, um, but we're also motivated by, by helping others. And so anyway, um, this, uh, this idea of like, yeah, what do I want? How do I get there? Um, 
one of the challenges, really, the barriers for people is clarity, right? Like, what do I actually want? You know, and they, they haven't thought about it. And there's, there's plenty of social psychology on this as well. Um, and there's even some, some derivative works around, you know, how do you cast a vision for yourself? You know, some esoteric stuff like that. But it's true. Like, if you don't know what you want, like, you can't get it. But there's folks that they know what they want. Sometimes it's super specific. You know, and you've shared some of these with me. But what they're looking for is permission. Like, they're yes. literally writing to you They want for anybody permission. to go, then go do it. Yeah, like, to validate, like, okay, cool. You know? Um, but the other thing is, I've met so many people that, like, they have these ideas, and they, they just can't fucking execute, right? We call them ideasmen. You know, it's like, I want to sit in the corner and think of all the ways to be rich. Well, fucking great. Good for you, buddy. Everybody you know on what? Earth has got million-dollar ideas. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, the it, it and it's interesting. I think you know this, uh, Jake. I I'm comfortable saying, like in my experience, most of the successful business owners, you know, like people that started a business, entrepreneur, and the business stuck. What they tend to have in common is grit. Like they just stick with it. You know, it's like yeah. I'm building. Which everyone else that gave up or never even started. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love. I'm going to sell a personal John Jake special here. That just something I love that's legitimately in our past is at some point in both of our childhoods, we had written down, diagrammed, and tried to create uh, a particular type of trash can. <laughs> just some, yeah. just yeah. some level of thought. Yeah. Like, not, yeah. not like I spent 30 minutes on a Sunday afternoon. Like, no, some serious level of thought. And if that doesn't illustrate that, you know what? Idiots are going to have ideas all of the time. What yeah. separates us is the people that do them. And now and those things are sold just about everywhere. Just, just about there. Do you know uh, how much money I have made off of my idea for a trash can where you can actually get the fucking bag out of it once it's full? Zero. You know why? Because it was just an idea. You know, I didn't take action on it. Um, and that's another... Uh, aspect of the conversation we ha we're having, right? When we talk about leadership bullshit, um, okay, look, guys, gals, I'm, I'm, I'm straight talk here. Do you think for a minute you can go pay 100, 200, 500 bucks for a fucking conference and get better at your job? Seriously. Jake? Yes, I have a conference next week, and if you follow the link below. <laughs> well, I just, I fucking experience. killed our business prospects there, so, you know. <laughs> and we're back from our break, everybody, mm -hmm. and we already talked through, like, this, I mean, it's just bullshit. It's completely made up, like, we're going to contrast leadership with management, um, and, and, this crap that's online that makes you feel good when you say it, but doesn't actually work, right? And we talked about authenticity and vulnerability. Um, so as we sort of wrap up uh, for folks, if you sort of just go through your social media feeds, you're going to see a lot of uh, what I call low power information, where people are trying to persuade you to act in ways that are not in your best interests, uh, because it feeds their agenda. Uh, we see this all the time in politics, right? How many times have you seen somebody kind of support or even vote for something that is not in their best interests because they were persuaded to? That's called propaganda, right? Propaganda is 
the method of utilizing emotions, getting people to uh, think with their emotions instead of their brain and override logic and critical thinking and rationality um, to do something that's not really in their best interest, but it's in your best interest, right? Ironically, that description has a lot in common with leadership sometimes. Um, and this is where some of those, uh, I guess, untruths that are out there on the internet can really come back to to hurt you. Like as a leader, right, the, the balance between um, helping your team out and like full disclosure, right, the difference between honesty and transparency, right? You want to be honest. You don't necessarily want to be transparent, right? Like how far does, how far does that go uh, kind of thing? Um, you know, there are times when your company's objectives are not aligned with what's best for the employees. And those are the times when people who buy into some of this leadership bullshit get tripped up the most, right? So if your company's goal is to lay off a certain number of people or whatever, how transparent can you be with that? You know, it's, it's a really, it's an ethical question. Like if you're stuck in this and I've thankfully never been in this situation, but I've worked with people who have, right. And I have friends who have been in this situation, you know, where the board is like, we are going to reduce salary costs by $500 million. And on average, that means we're going to fire this many people, right? Well, how honest do you want to be about that with the team? Right. Um, I can't really answer that question for anybody. Yeah, there's no good answer. There's certainly no positive one. Yeah. What I can tell you is that if you try to be authentic and vulnerable, you're fucking cooked. You are done. You know? Oh my gosh, <laughs> if you cry on video, that's going across social media that day. <laughs> I had to fire all these people. It's horrible. I feel so bad. I failed everybody. Yeah, shut up, dude. And it's all about you. Um yeah, I mean, it, it, we're we're joking about that because it's a meme now. But I, I think you know it deserves getting picked on, right? Because it just highlights the incredible narcissism, you know. And I think some people get caught up in some of this bullshit, you know, because it makes them feel good, right? It makes them feel a certain way, and they're not bad people. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to challenge everybody. I think that you are being narcissistic. That's what I think is going on when you talk about, you know, oh, I discovered vulnerability and it's been so freeing for me. Yeah, it's all fucking about you. That's the problem. You don't seem to realize that you are the biggest barrier to your success. And what you haven't done is switched your perspective from being internal about you, right, and focused it on the team that you're serving. It's still all about you. You just feel better about yourself because now your narcissism is about letting go. It's freeing, you know, all of this stuff as opposed to being more closed off and that sort of thing. But it's still self-centered. I don't know that humans are completely capable of not being that way, but the pursuit does let you wake up in the morning, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's part of, I think part of being like a balanced and well-rounded leader or just person in general you know uh if if you see a therapist right they'll they'll talk about integrating the ego right they don't talk about eliminating it they'll talk about a healthy ego um and i'll give you an, an example 
talking about leadership bullshit, um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. You know, I'm not going to say anything bad about it because he can probably kill me. Um, but, you know, he wrote he wrote this book, Extreme Leadership. And, you know, one thing he talks about is no ego. Right. But he doesn't mean that. But right? because no ego is unhealthy. What he means is no unhealthy ego. Right. Um, we're all like growing as humans throughout our lives. And part so of. Yeah, I mean, well, it, at a certain rate, some of us are growing very slowly. Some of us are growing some, backwards. Some, some, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of us are dead inside. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, part of part of that conversation is your acceptance of yourself, right? When we talk about ego integration, it's understanding I have needs, wants, and desires. A lot of them are really fucking selfish, and but. You don't suppress those and you don't deny those. Instead, you recognize that pursuing them is not in your best self-interest. You have them, right? And it's it's unhealthy to like repress and deny. It's healthy to like admit and accept, but choose to act in a different way, right? And that's where Adam Grant's example of authenticity backfiring and this experiment of extreme authenticity, you know, is so humorous to us. Like, no, you don't tell the nanny if I wasn't married, I'd be with you, right? Like, oh my gosh, what a cringe moment, you know? But that's the difference between transparency and honesty, right? Uh-huh. Where if somebody- If you, you, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The end, right? Where's the eulogy, right? Uh, but, you know, whereas a healthy response would be to recognize I have this impulse, right? Because I'm a biological person, I have these urges. They're not smart. They're not fucking intelligent, right? I have these urges. I recognize it. And because I have these urges, I can make intelligent choices. Like, I'm not going to be alone with this person. You know, I'm, I'm going to be careful about how I think and act and behave and stuff like that because I have these unhealthy urges, right? And that's an extreme example that sort of uh, exposes the lie that we're talking about. Uh, but it, it applies to everything else, too, like smoking, you know, like, we know that smoking is unhealthy, smoking cigarettes, smoking cigars is awesome and everyone should do it. Um, but <laughs> by the way, the Surgeon General did not agree to anything that we put on this <laughs> podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's unhealthy, right? Uh, or drinking excessively, right? And so alcoholics, like, they have to have a different way of being in the world, right? So they don't have like a bottle of hooch on the nightstand because they will fucking get drunk and miss work tomorrow, right? And if you are a chronic smoker for years, you're not going to go hang out with people that are smoking all the time because you have recognized your urges and are are controlling them, right? That's what a healthy ego uh, looks like and healthy integration, you know, kind of looks like. Um, what it doesn't look like is not coming to terms with how shitty you are as a person and instead imbibing these feel-good sound bites from social media that have nothing to do with social science, uh, you will fail as a leader. That's a good recap to just leave it at, leave it on a low, right? You will uh, fail yeah. as a leader. Yeah. Have a nice yeah. day. <laughs> the end. Merry Christmas, everybody. So <laughs> that about wraps up our time. Thanks for joining us on Equality Podcast. Jake, anything for the uh, audience before we sign off? Uh, La Croix means beer in Spanish if you don't Google it.